Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there once again and welcome to the WP Builds Podcast. This is episode number 224, entitled H is for Health. It was published on Thursday the 8th of April 2021. My name's Nathan Wrigley and before we get into the podcast main content, a few little bits of housekeeping. Head over to wpbuilds.com, that is our website, and over there you'll find all of the content that we produce in the WordPress space. The best pages to mention are wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe. That's a page that will enable you to find much of what we do kind of automatically if you like. So for example, if you go to the link there and join our Facebook group, you'll be notified in that group when we produce new content. Also, there's ways to subscribe to our email list so that you can be alerted via email. And there's things like our Twitter feed as well. So that's wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe. Another page which is very helpful is wpbuilds.com forward slash deals. That's a list of WordPress deals, coupon codes off significant amounts of money to be saved. It's there 24-7, 365 days of the year. So if you're in the market for a particular WordPress thing this week, you never know, that might be a good place to check out wpbuilds.com forward slash deals. And also wpbuilds.com forward slash advertise. If you have a WordPress product or service that you would like to put in front of a WordPress specific audience, go to that page and fill out the form and we'll see what we can do. See if we can get you on the podcast. A bit like these two companies. The WP Builds podcast is brought to you today by Cloudways. Cloudways is a managed cloud hosting platform that ensures simplicity, performance and security. It offers cloud servers from five different cloud providers that you can manage through its intuitive platform. Some of the features include 24-7 support, free migrations and dedicated firewalls. You can check it all out at cloudways.com. And A-B split test. Do you want to set up your A-B split tests in record time, like in a couple of minutes? Use your existing pages and test anything against anything else. Buttons, images, headers, rows, anything. And the best part is that it works with Elementor, Beaver Builder, and the WordPress block editor. You can check it out and get a free demo at absplittest.com. Okay, just before we begin, I think it's time to mention something that I'm doing later on this year. In May, well, the specific dates are in fact May the 10th to May the 14th, so that's May the 10th to May the 14th, we're running the Page Builder Summit. We did this last year in October, and it was very popular, very successful. We had over 35 speakers in five days, and we're doing something very similar again. Last time, we had a different URL. We've decided to go with pagebuildersummit.com this time. So that's pagebuildersummit.com. There's no hyphens or anything strange. You can go and check that page out. I'm not entirely sure when we'll open the registration for that, but you can certainly fill out the form on the homepage right now and you'll be able to register your interest. And what that's basically doing is saying, let me know when registration proper opens. So once more, the Page Builder Summit, we've got heaps and heaps of speakers lined, lined up to talk to you about everything in the WordPress Page Builder space from just about every single page builder in existence. It should be a really good event. Once again, the dates, put it in your diary. It's the 10th of May to the 14th of May. I'll be giving more details out 
in the run-up to the event, but pagebuildersummit.com. Go and register so that you can be alerted when the, the proper enrolment starts. Okay, let's get into the main content, shall we? We're on episode 224, H is for health. It's another one of our A to Z WordPress series, and we've got to the letter H, and so we're talking about health. We don't mean our health, we're talking about the health of our websites. And you probably know if you've been in this business for any length of time, there's an awful lot that can go wrong. So examples might be monitoring against DDoS attacks, looking at things like visual layout and style to make sure there's no changes over time. What about uptime monitoring? Do you watch for domains expiring? Do you do backups? Do you do SEO checks? In other words, do you try to keep your WordPress websites up to date and in good health? There's absolutely tons to talk about in here and we probably only just begin to scratch the surface, but it's a nice chat anyway. I hope that you enjoy it. If you do, leave some comments in the thread on wpbuilds.com, search for episode number 224, or go to our Facebook group and leave some comments there, wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook. I hope that you enjoy it. Hello, this is another A to Z of WordPress chat where we attempt to cover all the major aspects of building and maintaining sites with WordPress. Today is H for health. And well, there's a lot to talk about in this one. Yeah, press-ups, sit-ups, burpees, <laughs> all of that, you know, good diet. <laughs> yeah, I think when we started this off, we thought we'll probably just be talking a lot about what was added to WordPress itself in version 5.1, which was kind of its health check there. But we've kind of expanded out to all kinds of aspects of really health monitoring, the kind of things that we need to do if we're providing care plans. So I think it's probably this chat is really for those kind of people, people who make some money after looking after other people's sites. Yeah, there is a surprisingly large amount in this conversation. And it did prompt us both to go and have a look at the the site health information again. And it kind of revealed to me that there's there's way more in there than I had remembered. My, <laughs> my only real ex experience with using site health is when it sends you an email to say something has gone wrong. I kind of switched the widget off in the dashboard and it doesn't really surface itself anymore. But I switched it back on and went and had a look. And there's actually quite a lot of interesting stuff in there, you know, if you're a bit of a nerd and you want to know how big your database is and so on. But yeah, it, it covers an awful lot more than just site health inside of WordPress. Yeah, well, we both did it, didn't we? We went through the little info section on it. So mm. it's in WordPress under tools, and then you can find it there. And in all honesty, I looked at it because I was a bit grumpy about the fact that it was added because it was going to rate my site and my clients would be able to see it, those who are admin administrators. So really, the first thing I did was just find a way to disable it so they wouldn't see what the health check was saying. But Looking at it again, looking under the info section, it, it makes it realize it really does tell you a lot of information, like you found out that yeah. your database was bigger than you expected. Yeah, a lot bigger than I expected. When you say you disabled it, that, that wasn't an option somewhere. Presumably you, I don't know, put something in functions.php or something like that and you hid it permanently. Yes. Okay. Yes, that's right. There is a filter around there. I mean, a Google search, you know, how to, to hide the help check. In fact, to be honest, I didn't hide it until it came out later. I can't remember what version that was, five point maybe two was it the next one when it okay. came out and it put it in the dashboard so everyone could see it. it came out in five point one originally. So but yeah, so yeah, it's turned out to be something quite interesting. But it is mostly performance really, isn't it? And security. Yeah. It tells you about. Yeah. It's not probably going to be useful to your clients. Hence the the fact that you 
you might not want to reveal any of this stuff. And also, it continues to do that irritating thing where if you you've received an update to WordPress, you know, a, a five point <laughs> six, five point seven update, you um, you get the new theme if there is a new theme. So twenty twenty one or twenty twenty that gets installed, and then it tells you that you've got unnecessary themes as a problem yeah. which you know it, I, I don't think that's entirely helpful if it installed a theme that you're not using maybe it shouldn't be flagging that up but fair enough it is there but uh your clients probably don't need to know why is there a, another theme in here what's going on there yeah i know i mean the ideal is that you only have things themes and plugins that are active anything else is a problem and i don't think that's always the case it, it really does depend on your theme and your plugin i was always brought up with the idea that people far smarter than me said that it was always a good idea to have one of the default themes in as well should you have a problem so it'll kind of default to that yes i've I've heard this wisdom as well but i've decided to disregard it and <laughs> i just well it, really for me it's just about using up less less resources on the server I, you know you're right if something went wrong with the theme at least i'd have something to fall back on um, but I've I've never really encountered that problem. My themes of choice have always been stable and ready to be used, and so those those other default themes have never been implemented by me. And really, they just sit there waiting to be deleted and causing an error, not an error, you know, causing a, a site health notification problem. But it but it yeah. yeah it does it gives you things like database size, where all of your files are located, how much data is being consumed. But on the hard disk, as, as well as things like which plugins are active or sorry, which plugins are deactivated that you should probably go and uh, remove from your website. So there, there's actually more in there than I thought. It's a there's two tabs. There's an, an info tab, which has got a big accordion of about 12 different things. And there's a lot in there. But um, you, yeah. I would imagine if you're listening to this pro- podcast, you probably knew the majority of what was in there anyway. You probably were aware of what themes and so on were, were installed, but but perhaps not. Yeah, there was one that got us, I think both of us, with uh, it, it was always requesting that we installed. Now, I think it says on the interface, Imagic, where we, we looked it up, didn't we? And it's mm. uh, Image Magic. <laughs> yeah, to, a C and a K dot org, I think it is. Yeah. And it handles yeah. the... Well, we're not entirely sure what it handles, but certainly it is capable of doing things like rotating, skewing, resizing images. So I don't know if it if it is in, key and instrumental in things that you might do in the media library, you know, just, uh, cropping an image and so on. But you, you seem to think that you've got websites where that's not enabled on the server side, but it still functions in WordPress as you would expect. Yeah, well, my initial understanding was it did the compressing because when you put okay. something into the media yeah. library, it's supposed to compress it by ten um, percent, um, and I, that's all I thought it did. But anyway, short pixel is taking care of that for me, okay. and without it on my servers, yeah, it does it doesn't seem to cause a problem. So okay, well, mm-hmm. I mean, it's there, it's useful. Maybe there's plans yeah. for it to become more useful, and certainly, if you've ever had a white screen of death type incident at the same time that it it would it enables the the updates that came at the same time enabled you to still access the back end of wordpress and also receive emails outlining that an error has occurred so there were substantial improvements if something did go wrong with a plugin 
you you now have wiggle room to kind of log in and and take care of that if you need to whereas before it was you know things were dead and you had to go and change the name of a plugin or something via ftp um but that's all been been amended and so those those were quite significant improvements and getting the email to warn you that something has gone wrong again just it's nice it's a really it's a really good feature i think so uh, well uh, initially i didn't like it and in fact when we were just talking earlier i i kind of realized the sense of it because i put myself in the shoes of the regular diy user of wordpress and you just think how would they ever know if things were going amiss on their sites they just wouldn't would they they're not informed like we no. are so at least it would give them some kind of information over the years their their php version won't be updated unless they do something by their hosts on the whole and they just won't know unless that status is changing and i i can now see much better why it needed to go in the dashboard even though i want to hide it yeah I don't know if there's, I mean, I know it gives you a sort of rating. In in my case, the site that I'm looking at at the moment is just rated as good and it's got a green circle. And that, that indicates, I presume, that most things that are in order um, are, are checked and, you know, it, it, things are as they should be. I don't really know what that sliding scale looks like. You know, at what point does it start mm. to alarm you and post things that look irritating to you and and how does it prompt you to go about amending things and again I'm, I'm not sure on what level it provides information to assist you with things yeah. that you need to to take care of in my case it's literally saying two things you've got plugins and themes that you need to remove everything else is marked off as good I presume that that wizard over time might take care of more things. Maybe it does already. Maybe if I inherited a site which had catastrophically bad site health, it would it would assist me with that process. But I'm a bit ignorant of that, sadly. Mm, I never asked you this earlier. When you've had the email saying you've got a problem with your site, do you really take that much notice of what's there? Do you read it? Do you understand it? If memory serves, and I'm, I'm sure I'll be corrected on this if I'm wrong, it's just like a one-line, almost like plain text email, and I can't remember the content of it. But in every case, I knew already why I was receiving that email. You know, maybe the server was overloaded or maybe I'd uh, done something uh, and, and I don't know, saved something which ultimately caused the site to, to be white screening. And I knew what was going on. So, no, I, uh. I, I, I can't say that it's ever prompted me to do something that I would otherwise not have known about. It's interesting because the ones I've had have been quite curious they've usually been running out of memory right and in fact i think a couple of the the times it's been what i thought was a fairly inactive it was activated plugin i think it was backup buddy using up more but it wasn't set to do any scheduled backups okay <laughs> it was on but it wasn't set to do anything it was just there to manually do a backup and i was really surprised by this but i went into the sites there was no issue i couldn't find an issue at all it just kind of gets flagged up about some extra memory use you see, that that could be potentially a bit alarming, couldn't it? Because that may mm. have prompted you to, to I don't know, seek another plug-in solution or wait, just basically mm. waste a bunch of time on something which was incorrect. So having it in WordPress is great, but it sounds like you've got mixed feelings about the confidence you've got in it. And if that's the case, kind of pushes you towards ignoring it and disabling it as you've obviously done rather than embracing it and thinking actually this is a really useful tool and we'll probably get onto tools which purport to do similar things in the future and maybe you know rely on those because you feel they're more reliable 
Yeah, well, it's kind of rare that I've, I've got something, but because there's been no uh, apparent issue with the, the site once I've gone in. But I do like the idea that it will send you in and you can go into safe mode. It's, it's kind of, it's quite cool yep. that it's there. Yep, yeah. certainly, certainly a step up from, you know, what the process that we had to go through before, the fact that you can actually have this safe mode, which enables you to interact. I can't remember what the constraints of that are, um, what it is that you're allowed to do and what it is that you can't do inside of that safe mode. But, you know, it's handy to have very nice addition. Yeah. Should we talk about the other things that we decided that probably go under self uh, site health yeah. or monitoring things? So there's a whole bunch of things. I just, you know, it always surprises me that we have so many people, so many DIYers who do WordPress because this is such stuff to learn. So, you know, obviously there's the security stuff that we do, kind of monitoring attacks, um, you know, for security, there's um, monitoring of kind of dynamic functionality in your site. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's something that, to be honest, I've still never solved myself. I mean, how do you know that your contact form is working or your add to cart button is actually working on your site? Um, monitoring visual layouts and styling to see that your site, when you're, you know, not going to it, I'm sure most people don't spend all day looking at their own sites to know that it's still looking good when you've had an update. Mm. Um, well, there's a whole bunch of other stuff. Uptime monitoring, domain expiring, backups, SEO stuff, including Google search console stuff, broken links, support and accessibility. These are all things that we thought were kind of site health things that yeah. we'd have to monitor. There's a real, there's a really large amount in that. I suppose in most cases, you you would hope that WordPress is a kind of set it and forget it solution where, you know, what, what was there yesterday will be what's going to be there in a year's time should you not go and do anything. You know, WordPress will update itself. The plugins yeah. can now update themselves. You'd hope that yeah. that it would look the same and behave the same, and everything would just function. But you're absolutely right. You know, you're quite interesting to mention things like contact forms. I have yeah. literally no idea if those contact forms are working. But I've definitely been contacted by clients, slightly embarrassingly, who have contacted me to say that they know their contact yeah. form isn't working because they've received. You know, somebody's gone around the houses to find their email address, emailed them and said, my contact form isn't working. And usually it's just something like an SMTP plugin that, uh, I don't know, for some reason, the configuration of the username and password has gone astray, something like that. But I, I don't really have a process for checking that those dynamic things are working. And you re rely quite a lot on things like forms. And, yeah. and if they fail then, you know, that could be catastrophic. You just sort of pray that they are working. You know, that extends, doesn't it? Things like making sure that the checkout works as expected, that people are not finding that the, the shopping cart actually doesn't do what it's supposed to do. And I don't really have a system for monitoring that other than manually doing it. I used to have this process whereby every time I updated a website, I would go through a kind of very minimal laundry list of things. So it would involve going to certain pages, key pages like the home page and the about us page or whatever, whatever I decided mm. for that particular site. But I've more or less stopped doing that as I, that task just became an absolute verbatim <laughs> copy of what I did yesterday, which is to say, just click on some links and everything worked as expected. Comes a point mm. where the attrition of doing that doesn't seem worth it. You just think, well, it's going to be fine. 
But things mm. like forms, ooh, I don't know. I don't know if anybody's got a solution for that. Actually, you mentioned there was a tool, didn't you, that can sort of mimic user behavior mm. and go and fill out forms and then see if things are behaving as you'd expect. Yeah, I think the real, um, probably the closest we'll get to an industry standard for this kind of monitoring would be Ghost Inspector. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there, I don't even think there's a free um, trial thing that you get. Maybe there's a trial, but I, I, I actually do have it. And I do use it on one site because there was a free amount of checks that you could do. And you can decide what you, so basically you record what you want to, to be checked on your site. So you could submit a form and get it to do it every day for you and then report back when it was unable to do that um but so it's, it's think, merely working on the front end it's not checking i mean how would it no. i don't know it's not checking that uh, an email is generated and received it's just saying can i fill in this field does the button take me to the page i'm expecting to go to yeah and so, right right there is something you know what um Fluent forms, I just started using them on one site and mm -hmm. I was impressed by one feature that I, I hadn't seen. Well, I hadn't seen in gravity forms, which is what I've largely been using. And it does send me a summary. Yeah, every week. week of, yeah. Yeah. Of, of, so I know, you know, that that form is probably working because there's, you know, been 20 odd whatever submissions within that week. And I thought, well, that was pretty cool. Actually, do you know, I'd forgotten about that. I, I received that email and it, it, it didn't. It didn't exist until a little while ago. I'm going to say four months or something. Or, or if it did exist, I hadn't enabled it. And I mm. didn't enable it, and it began mm. arriving. And in my case, it's going out every... I think it says a seven-day summary. Yes. And, yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a that's a really nice way of sort of skirting around that problem because, obviously, if, if you've received no email to say mm. your contact form has been filled out six times, and yet there they are, six entries, and it says it in the email that you receive, maybe there's a problem. Of course, it doesn't solve the problem of if the SMTP's gone wrong because probably you won't get that email anyway, but <laughs> it's a nice try. Yeah. I mean, maybe about a month ago I, I had someone, and it's been a long time since I've had this, they've said um, our contact form is not working. So I went and checked, and they said they did they did their own check, and they didn't get their email. Ah. So I went to check, and it was working. It was recorded. It was in the database, so it was there. So because the email's their responsibility with the plan that I have, the only thing I'm responsible for in our case is transactional emails, which for me I'm using – uh, Mailgun, there is mm -hmm. Sending Blue and other things. MailPoet as a plugin will do that for you as yep. well, even on the free version. Yep. Um, so I, at least I could check at least 30 days back whether things have gone from there. And it, and it gives me kind of a routine so I could see that they've been delivered. So at least I was able to send it to them and say, look, from my perspective, it's sending them and it says it's accepted as well. It's, it's actually delivered. So it's been accepted and then delivered. So it must be your end. But to my embarrassment, I oh. went and changed the email address that I was using to send, and it started sending to them. So, so there was some responsibility on my side. But it didn't worry me, the idea that uh, I wouldn't know until no. they told me. No, that's true. I mean, I, I use um, largely Amazon SES yeah. for transactional emails. There's no, there's no free tier or anything. Uh, the constraints are on how many you can send per second. And I think on my level, it's like 28 emails per second or something, you know, way, 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 way in excess of what I'll ever need. And they charge per email, but it's a, 
a, a ridiculously small amount. I, I think it's like a hundredth of a US cent or something like that. It's an extraordinarily yeah. small amount. But also I've used um, a service called MX Route, and that enables yes. you via a web interface, I believe it's called RoundCube, you can see what the inbox has done. So, you know, you can see that things have been sent and so on. But you're right, it's, it's a bit of a grey area. You wonder in many ways, actually, that there isn't an app. And mm. it would probably have to be a desktop app or something which could do what, what was that thing called? Ghost what? Inspector. Ghost Inspector could do. But, you know, you, you would literally mm. open up a, I don't know, it would it would use some sort of automation to open up a browser tab, fill out the form, and then open your mail client and just check for some receipt of an email. Maybe there is something like that, you know, just to check it's all working as expected. Yeah, I I really feel that's the the biggest weakness I've got in in looking after people's sites because yep. I just don't know until they find an issue. I mean, it's pretty rare, but but um, yeah, and I can only go you know on free tools that I'm using. I can only go back thirty days to yep. kind of check things. Well, and yeah. the, the problem is as well is that that the, that failure could be utterly catastrophic. You know, it could be the difference of. I don't know, somebody just walking away from a, an enormous contract or something. Well, we submitted it two weeks ago and we haven't heard back from you. We've gone elsewhere. You know, yeah. it could be massive. You And I, I guess there are liabilities to that. And I, I don't have any of that in any contracts uh, to sort of protect myself as far as I'm aware. But that could be yeah. something that I need to look at. I mean, the other issue that I have had with that, with transactional email services, particularly if you're getting something on a free version that allows you a certain amount or very, very cheap, is that you're often sharing an IP address. And if someone misuses that, you can find that you end up being blocked out of spam anyway, mm. anything coming from that email address. And again, there's generally not a notification from these services to let you know. This happened to me once. Have you ever encountered this? This is a hypothetical problem. I don't even know if it's a real problem. But let's say, for example, that you're let, use the example of gravity forms. Let's say that for some reason your gravity form was being spammed. Some bot had found mm. it and was filling it out with nonsense. And mm. your client was successfully receiving those, but in their yeah. mail client marking them as spam. Yeah. Because in effect they are spam, but yeah. they oughtn't to be marked as spam because they are actually what you wish to receive. So, yeah. you know, the, the, the spam prevention going on there needs to happen at the point of submission of the form, not of receipt of the email. I, I've never I've never trained any clients on that crisis, but I just wonder if it is a crisis. I wonder if anybody's had that problem. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I certainly, with my forms, I do limit the number of forms mm. that can be filled in on a day yeah, to yeah. stop it being bombarded. But, yeah, I, I, it depends on the mail service that they're going to react to receiving a lot of spam what mm. they're going to do yeah yeah scary yeah. anyway okay <laughs> I'm so us. yeah sorry, sorry about that so okay what's next on the list yeah what else did we mention oh yeah we, we we already mentioned didn't we that there is ghost inspector or something like that that could mimic some of your other things like add to cart to see that your carts running so that's good um yeah well we've started using a couple of tools haven't we for the kind of aspect of the the visual layouts and style. Mm. Um, we both bought Hexo Watch. Yes. It was a bit of a gamble um, in that it didn't quite feel ready in yeah. that when we bought it, I think you, more so than I, you had concerns that it was it was not behaving 
as it ought <laughs> to. It felt fairly immature. But then it was one of these lifetime deals. It was a new product. But I'm I'm really happy with it. So it, it enables you to plug in a URL and then it will deliver all sorts of reports based upon, I don't know, if if you can say to it, so for example, look at the top 10% of this page and monitor uh, if anything changes by 10% then yeah. alert me to that or it could be you know monitor the whole page and if anything of any nature moves at all alert me and and it's actually quite a, it could be deployed i always thought it could be quite an interesting competitor tool you know you might want to use something like this for your competitors let's say you have a shop and you want to see when they've updated their yeah. home page that it could be deployed in that way but in my case it's it's being used as a tool to see if anything's gone wrong and it's matured over time. And I, I rather like it. Now I only use the visual tool that there's the option to see how the HTML has changed over time, but mm. I don't use any of that. I'm just using the visual tool and it's got a nice little way of sort of zooming in and it discolors certain things so that you can, so it really highlights which bit on the page has changed. It kind of illuminates mm. it in red and it's good. Yeah. And it's taken on some of those, the aspects of, I think, Ghost Inspector, where you can kind of change different states or you can, I think, delay the snapshot it will take to account for a pop-up coming up. So it has, it's got really quite clever mm. and it has solved an issue, particularly that um, visual layout and style, because that's embarrassed me a couple of times. Something with page builders certainly happened with Beaver Builder when they did an update. If you've got a caching plugin, it might not clear that caching plugin for mm. you. Now, they've solved that they automatically clear all the well-known caching plugins. So there's not been the issue come again. But so embarrassing if a client comes and says that my homepage is all kind of completely distorted due to an update and the caching uh, plugin interfering with it. But yeah, this solves against all that problem because, you know, even if it sends me the odd false positive, at least it makes me look at a site and I feel safe. The other ones who aren't reported uh, are just running as they should do. Yeah, but really nice to be able to get in front of something before mm. the client notices it. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe they'll notice it before this software notices <laughs> it. But but in my case, it's never it's never falsely reported something. You know, I've received an email and, and it, it really has changed. There's no doubt about it. So that's quite nice. And then you could go to the client and say, look, we, we, we just noticed something on your site. We, we've been poking around a little bit and we've seen that there's been a, a minor change. Don't worry about it. We're on it. And we'll have a fix and we'll notify you when it's done. And it kind of rolls up very nicely inside of a care package. It makes you seem like you're, you know, really engaged in mm. their website and taking interest in it. And that's all for the good. Yeah, I really liked it. I said, the only reason why I, I was kind of hard on it, in fact, I refunded it on the life deal and then had to buy it at a greater expense later because I'd seen so many of these kind of visual tools where they would do a screenshot because I don't mm. think it's that difficult to build that basic app to do that there are some open source systems out mm. there that they can build upon but they've always failed in my experience they've those businesses have not managed to make a profit for long enough because people just won't pay that money for that one thing and mm. and because of the false positives but i think they've first time i've actually seen someone nail that at an affordable price yeah and they've they've got a another product which came first which was hexometer which which does many of the other things that we might use individual tools for. So it does uptime monitoring. Um, it will be checking broken links and all kinds of wonderful. Th I can't remember all the things it does, but yeah. these are also other things that we 
for health we need to check on. Yeah, and there's there's just so many tools which do that kind of thing. I mean, really, so many yeah. uptime monitoring tools. And <laughs> yeah. I, I could probably mention half a dozen just off the bat. The ones that I've settled on is I have used Optime Robot quite a lot. I remember, I, I don't know yeah. if this is still true because I've basically discontinued using it. I think at the time it was, you could get 50 sites for free. Yeah. And so that was more than enough for me. You know, one account would satisfy me because in many cases I'm just monitoring if the server is working. And so if I've got three sites, four sites on one DigitalOcean droplet or something like that, if you know if one's gone down, that's quite likely the other two or three will go down. But I've um, I've used that. I've used the main WP one, I think. I've also mm. used WPMU Dev have one. Obviously, your hosting company probably has something that they will alert you about. Mm. And I've settled on another deal which came recently, which is called what is it called? Better Optime. <laughs> yeah, we both got it. Yeah, we and and I'm really pleased that I got that. I they they send out an email every fortnight at least where they've added some feature. I have to say most of the features are of, are completely beyond my understanding. Uh, in that a lot of them are obviously designed for teams and people who really understand how to connect this to external services and you know they want to do all this automatically whereas for me I just want to be notified and I want to go into the UI and click on menu links and so on and see what the problem is on which particular site but they do nice things like they they allow you to create a dashboard which you can put on a site you could do for example mm. on a on a subdomain so that your mm. your website it shows over a period of the last 30 days how much time it's been up you can have teams in there um so mm. that certain people get a, a text message and it decides who ought to be getting that message based upon the time of day and things like that it's really clever mm. yeah it is really clever and it's it, it, one thing that's quite interesting about that, and I, I don't know how well it does on that. I mean, it measures, as far as I understand, from three different locations. So it checks three different locations to see if they all say the same before mm. it reports something mm. as downtime. But I did come up across this, I think, last week. Um, there was a site and it was saying it was down for quite some time. And I was looking, and they were right um, for where I was. But then I put a VPN on the look from the UK where that's main audience for that site was and it was up and mm. I, did, I went and did a search and it they were correct but um the interesting thing i haven't thought about too much again another health consideration is the fact that sometimes your your dom domain name service has issues in certain places in the world right it's you know, and that's the first time I saw that, and I kept going back and just just running a check, and noticed that it was down in lots of different places, and it clearly had nothing to do with our site or our host, and it had absolutely everything to do with who was um, providing the domain name server. Yeah, we had. Well, it wasn't we. A developer that I work with had a problem with it, in that it mm. was reporting things to be down, and they were they were absolutely up, and yeah. I forget the. I forget how it worked, but it was a server configuration thing. It, it was something that was misconfigured or, or, or oh, at least really? needed to be reconfigured. And when it was done to their satisfaction, then it, it started to behave correctly. But, you know, I, I don't know if he contacted Better Uptime or, or if it was just something that he fixed. I'm not entirely sure, but something which didn't report correctly or at least was reporting errors which didn't exist uh, mm. on the front you know you could see the websites it was reporting them as down and they weren't but it, it, it now behaves for, for him exactly as it should yeah and it, 
it really made me look good the other week as well, Better Up Time, because it's got something I didn't even know was in there. Um, it, I got an email saying there was about 20 hours, probably a little bit more, to renew a domain name that the client had. So mm. I was able to say, well, you're going to lose your domain name quickly. And I just thought it was so wonderful that I could send them that email. It's not my responsibility just to let them know that I'm looking, you know, covering their backs really on their site. Right. Um, yeah. So, but that and, worked. That was a manual process for you. You had to receive the email yeah. and then send it to them. How, is that because you get them to buy their own domains? Yes. That's okay. Right. So, right. It's their responsibility. But, if, you know, it's happened before um, that clients have forgotten to renew. It's going to happen, isn't it? I always say you're different on this, but I've always made that their responsibility that they should have the ownership of that. But, of course, I've now come to appreciate that many of those in the, in their organizations one employee will set that up and then they will leave and no one knows what's going on oh, yeah yeah <laughs> i mean it's a nice little feature i my um registrar of choice at the minute although i might be changing that we won't go into that is um google domains and they they just send me things and yeah. and i i don't in you know if if it's expiring for a, a customer i don't really get involved but if if i were to get something from better uptime then, yeah. then that would be good. I think there's a lot of services which do things like that. So, for example, WebArcs, I know, has sent me similar messages in the past. Um, mm. I can't say that I can think of anybody else, but certainly WebArcs have done. I think that I think yeah. I remember it was seven days, or maybe it was thirty days. Anyway, it was it was it was certainly significantly more than twenty hours. I feel like twenty hours is a bit it's a bit late, isn't it? Um, yeah. But my domain registrar will let me know, and so I can handle it on that side. And in most cases, I, if I wasn't buying the domain, I'd certainly request the client to put it on auto renew anyway, just in case. Because you know, what's the what's the harm in that? Yeah, I was wondering about. Do you do anything in particular for SEO? Um, all your sites set up for Search Console. Do you get anything from those? No, not really. I sort of try to. I try to leave SEO in the domain of a of a plugin and then leave it to the clients if they're creating blog posts and things just to fill out those boxes. Now, we before we started recording, we talked a lot about well not just seo but all of the new metrics that it would appear that mm. everybody's getting really <laughs> concerned about the the literal wealth of data which you can bring to bear to uh, it might be seo it might be performance or gt metrics or pingdom mm. or whatever lighthouse and so on and just there's just so much of this stuff i feel that industries are developing careers are developing in these in these areas so you know, there are people who now obviously are SEO specialists. That's been around for ages. But now we've we've got this new kind of mm. career of people who are speeding up websites and that's all that they do. And we've got other people who are maintaining, you know, th their job is to go out and, and increase the how accessible your website is. That's a career. There's just so much thrown into this. But no, to your point, I don't really mm. do much with that. No, and I just, I mean, the broken links we covered, that's something for SEO. Mm, but yeah. the, I mean, I used to use that broken link checker plugin, but having realized how how much uh, that can kind of consumes of um, server resources, I've, I've broken away from kind of using that because typically I'll just ignore the information it gives me anyway. Right. <laughs> um, because when it's not my site, then they're not paying me the clients then to go and check on their broken links. So I get the information and what do I do with it, you know, really from there. Yeah. And it sounds like in your model, that's not your 
purview anyway. That's yeah, for the client exactly. to, to sort out. And I, I would imagine, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know how severe the, and when I say I don't know, I literally don't know how severe the, the impact is on SEO of one link on a website being, I don't know, leading to something which doesn't exist anymore or going to the wrong page. I just don't know what the impact of that stuff is, but it feels to me like something which in a in a busy working day doesn't really command that much importance. Yeah, probably. I mean, if you put out a new piece of content, then might, if it took you so long to find these broken links or change those, could you put out some new content in that time? And would that probably do you you more good you know and that's yeah. the kind of balance we don't know yeah. really with these things but um, there's probably somebody out there who really does understand this and i'd be i'd be keen to know how harmful things like broken links really are and uh, yeah and Go- we mentioned this as well you had the same with google search console it can tell you uh i had a few emails just saying about how my text will not be very readable on mobile this is a problem and i go looking and i just cannot see what they can see yeah, you get those emails periodically. And usually for me, it seems to be things that I've failed with on mobile. Yeah. And and some of them, like you say, it might be a, a contrast thing and I, I just don't see mm. it. Um, I think it was the most recent one that I got was, I don't know, a week ago or something where it was telling me that a font was too small to be readable. Mm. I think that yeah. was what it was. And yet was totally readable to my to my eye so I don't, I don't know what automation goes on to to make this stuff happen and no doubt you know there are ways that I could improve things but it's like almost like a needle in a haystack this I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. get everything right and although Google would love me to get everything right um, maybe I'll just have to resign myself to the fact that that font size is is one point too small and that color palette is just a tiny bit on the wrong side of what the algorithm would allow. But to my eyes, it's totally readable. But then again, you know, yeah. uh, there are people who this stuff really matters for. And and if, if I guess if the algorithm's been written, it's been done with some research and people really can't read that size of font up close yeah. and people really suffer. There's a color clash there that... I'm not having a problem with, but somebody else is having a problem with. But um, I'm sure for most of us, it's about finding the time in the day to prioritize these and make them make them important enough to deal with. Yeah, and I learned something recently, which I didn't know. Maybe a lot of people do know this, and I'm just behind. But Google Chrome itself, the inspector, gives you a lot more information than I thought. It yeah. has ways to inspect the contrast and whether that's what they think is right which is what's kind of fooled me i get something from google telling me it's not good you know and then i go and use google chrome and i've just discovered now that i can inspect and hover over things and it will tell me whether the contrast is acceptable yeah. so i've i've only and also that there is lighthouse now built into google chrome was That's fairly right. new to me yeah so you yeah, can no, do a speed check you you were the person that showed me that that was even available and i was uh I was quite surprised that it was there and it, it was, you know, I, I think it's, I remember listening to Sabrina Zidane talking about this the other day. It, it kind of matters. It does, it, it is impacted by where you live and so on. So, yeah. you know, it's not like a, a bulletproof piece of data that's coming through. Again, I defer to Sabrina's uh, superior <laughs> intelligence on this. I may be misquoting her. But it's not all um, speed, is it? There's performances. If you go and click on in Google Chrome on the Lighthouse and go and do a test, you get a choice to look at other things. So you've got yeah. best practice yeah. as well as 
and accessibility things it will do give you a quick measure there so it's a really a good way of kind of checking the health of your site from you know from the front end anyway the, the problem that we're revealing is that there's just so many component parts of maintaining a website and it, it feels to me as if the, the one that that really rises to the top is yeah. updating and backups mm. everything else seems in my world at least anyway to get pushed to the i'll 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 take a look at that if and when i've got a load of free time and i'm i'm or somebody specifically comes to me and says i want this on my website i want it to 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 be 100% on this metric or to be 100% accessible by this standard and mm. and i wonder if that's the case for most people listening to this you know you're a jobbing web designer web builder using wordpress and really your concern is having enough throughput of work to make to make your career yeah. viable and maybe this goes two ways maybe this creates an edge for you and you can demonstrate to people look and i will make sure that these boxes are checked all of these different things i'm going to do i'm going to do seo i'm going to do accessibility i'm going to check with some software to make sure that your forms are working i want to check with some software to make sure that you know any changes uh, that appear on the page which aren't intended i'm going to fix up up front i'm going to do all the backups blah 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 if all of these little ticks just create more opportunity yeah. for you to have work as opposed to just create an opportunity for you to to have more work that you're not really getting paid for i don't know if i explained that very well no you did and and it's it's a big question i think here at the moment i i remember listening to, i think a youtube a couple of videos where people were saying, you know, design trends, and they say, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to talk about what I think is really the design trends in web these days, and that is accessibility and speed, making good sites. It's growing. People demand this more. And to a certain degree, hearing so much about things like Google Core Web Vitals uh, in various groups makes me think, yeah, there is more attention on that kind of help side of things not so much accessibility, um, but I'm not sure. It, it, it's used a lot for marketing of products for WordPress, that it's faster than anybody else and f speed is so important. But I, I just wonder if everyday clients still put it up there high when they're, when they're considering somebody to build a website for them. Yeah, I think, I think this absolutely would matter. Let's say, for example, that I don't know, th there's, a, there's a website um, proposal out there at the moment. There's a, uh, oh, for goodness sake, what's it called? A, a, oh, the, the, the document that clients send out when they want to get proposals in, that document, the name of which has escaped me at the moment, <laughs> for a, a local uh, government website near where I live. Mm. And I, I just sort of read through it, and it was pretty clear that the person who has created that brief has has really taken this on board and you know that they've they've mentioned all about the seo they've mentioned all about the the accessibility and the accessibility bullet points went on and on so this was really important to them but it was a government thing and the government yes. cannot be seen to to fail on any of these points whereas the guy that's phoning me up who's a plumber or um i don't know a heating engineer or a lawyer they just yeah. want the website they just want to <laughs> see it and it, for it to work and the forms to function and them to get some leads. So I, I really think it matters uh, which kind of client you're getting. But obviously you, you, can't, you can't do the same price point for the local government one, which wants all of these tick boxes 
Mm. As, you know, compared to the plumber who's not really bothered about that so much. And, you know, whilst I'm not denigrating the, the, the purposefulness of those things, mm. if the budget doesn't allow it, you you can still build the website. Interestingly, the government website that I'm talking about carries the budget to make it worthwhile. You know, they, they are allocating enough money. This is not a compromise. They're paying for, for this to be done correctly, which I thought was good. Yeah. I, I mean, Google do play a part in it. And I think they are. I mean, that's, you know, we've had notifications that the text is too small to read. And mm -hmm. so clearly an accessibility thing. And I think they they have that ability, as they have done with performance. Everybody seems to be talking about performance more than I've ever known. Um, so maybe maybe those people who are predicting that is the future of design, that are more people are going to be aware of it and they're going to consider this as an important thing about their website mm. more and more. I'm not sure if it's true, but it'd be nice if it was. It'd be nice to build better accessible sites and know that someone was prepared to pay for that or they they saw that as a priority over some i don't know perhaps trivial animations that they saw and thought were cool and they wanted on their website it would be lovely if somebody was saying as a client on a on a budget saying no the most important thing is that everybody can get to my website and read it right and there's the rob how many yeah. people are showing up at your door saying <laughs> exactly that the answer yeah. is is very small, I expect. Well, I've had a few people, but again, there's a little bit of lip service paid because if you are a government body or you're connected in that way, they know that they, they need to um, do something there. But there's also another kind of industry which they can be fooled by. So there are kind of like one-click solutions to make your sites fast. There are one-click solutions almost. You buy this product and your site's going to be accessible. There was a there was oh, yeah. a tavern article, wasn't yes. there, about yeah. accessibility. Yeah, one of those products there. And and I've worked for, uh, we did a website for someone who, that was their main consideration they came to us about accessibility. And nice. they weren't a client for long, but actually they previously had bought one of these all-in-one solutions, which really wasn't giving them the accessibility they thought they had, you yeah. know? Yep. So hard, hard to know. Yeah, it, like I said earlier, it feels to me like there's there's an industry now for for people, yeah. you know, if you're in an agency, maybe somebody in your agency is the the expert on accessibility, you know, and over there is the expert on SEO and so on. And maybe there's a career. Well, I know there's a career. People speeding up websites, that can be your job now. Take on a website, make it faster. People who bring to you a website that is demonstrably not accessible, that can be a job. You can make it accessible and charge charge accordingly it's it's a career it's really fascinating that that's even possible because I feel that <laughs> yeah. five years ago those those jobs would it was just that was everybody's job if you built websites you had to do all of those things and more and more i'm feeling that the big ticket websites are going to going to be farming all this stuff out to experts within the industry yeah but it really should start from the building of a site isn't it i always yeah. feel with a lot of the health things that we take, well, particularly, I guess, speed and accessibility, I always feel like they're kind of plastered on the site after the event. So if you get somebody to come in, but a lot of it should have just been in the fundamentals of our building, you know, of the site. Yeah. And that's probably the problem with a lot of page builders. We, we do that for the speed of building a website, and then we have to kind of superimpose the way of making them faster and more accessible right. after and the event. I remember Gutenberg when it was rolled out, you know, it's designed to be useful for the 40% of the web developers out there who are using WordPress and, um, or I should say websites, 
and and it had real problems with accessibility. I've not really kept a very close eye on that debate, but my understanding, in as far as it is, is that it has improved over time. But you've got to imagine that WordPress, with its reach into all sorts of different websites, government, non-government, you know, NGOs, yeah. everything, that this would be something where the default version of WordPress will will take a lot of this into consideration. I mean, it is fast, and, yeah. and but I don't know too much about the, the accessibility side of things. Time will tell. I remembered something we didn't talk about earlier. We were talking about 404s and that kind of issue. There mm-hmm. are a couple of tools out there that will crawl your site. So they are website crawlers, the Screaming Frog, and there's one that I bought called Website Auditor by folks called link assistant linkassistant.com and they're tools that will just go around and it's really revealing actually it's shocking sometimes it's sites that you think might be quite healthy when it's crawled through the whole of your site you kind of realize particularly with wordpress how many kind of links you've got and dead links you've got and <laughs> ones yeah. that are not optimized it, it is quite scary just it really goes archives yeah. that you didn't want to be public facing pages that yes. you you really really remember removing from a sitemap and yet there it is that really yeah. should never have been viewed by the public it was some sort of i don't know landing page which shouldn't have ever been scraped but <laughs> yeah just amazing yes. Absolutely amazing. There's so much stuff. I've got one of those tools as well, and exactly the same thing. It was like, how did that get in there? How do they even know that that's there? It's some internal little link which you'd entirely forgotten existed that revealed the existence of all these different things. You know, just unstyled archive pages which just look horrible. Yeah, exactly. And just basic stuff. I mean, uh, I like to think that I've set it up. So I always put alt tags, at least, even if they're not as meaningful as they should be for accessibility on images. And then you you go and run one of these and realize that, you know, about 30% of your images don't have them. Right. It's like, what? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. There's another job for you, David. What we've done in this episode is we've outlined all of the ways in which we're failures. And all of the things which we need to, which we need to add to our laundry list of to dos, are so many. And we didn't, we didn't get into a whole bunch of stuff. Like we never talked about um, PHP versions and recommended database types and things like that. There was, you know, there's absolutely a whole load of stuff. We didn't get into monitoring of distributed denial of service attacks and all of that sort of stuff. With you know, there's loads that we could have gone into, but (laughs) time, time is. Time is running out. It is. Mind you, have I have been thinking that I might just go and give and get the domain name uh, Doctor Core Web Vitals. That sounds really good. Yeah, so I think there's a career in that for that. you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Make sure that site is accessible and fast and good in search rankings, though. Otherwise, you know, failure. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, I like health monitoring. I think that's for me, you know, bringing this to the end for for all I think I can say is that it's it's really become my business, which I didn't expect. Website building is part of it, but really looking after sites has become really the key thing. I have to say, I am always surprised by the, the amount of knowledge that you bring to bear on this, because a lot of it is just stuff that I know I should know about. But you actually do know about it. You've actually taken the time, and I, I guess it's just the way that your business is structured. You know, you you're, you're obsessing about these details, and you want things to work, and you want them to 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 behave as they should. And I, I think you you really are becoming a bit of an expert in many of these areas. It's great. Well done. 
Well, I wouldn't say that, but it's definitely moved that way. And I think, you know, it's not what I expected. When I started this, you just thought, wouldn't it be nice to build sites for people? That would be a nice creative thing to do. And now it's just turned into, how can we look after these sites? Yeah, it's yeah, odd. yeah. Well, there you go. Shall we, um, we not get so. on the Are we done? Indeed. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll see you in a couple of weeks and, um, okay. and we'll have a regular podcast next week and i guess we'll be on to what have we got a b c d e Im- f g h yeah. i what's i uh, images we're sticking with that are we we're not going to change between this time we might change yeah okay well it's images <laughs> for now but <laughs> see how we go all right see you soon okay bye well that was a fun episode to record there is so much going on in the health of our websites I think we do this sort of stuff automatically often that we know that we need to take backup so we automate that we know that we need to do uptime monitoring so we automate that and there's a whole bunch of stuff that we just automate but then there's a whole load of stuff going on in the background and the health of your website I feel is one of the areas in the future as websites become easier and easier to build with the great array of tools that we're getting page builders and so on I feel that this side of things is an area where we can really sell to our clients and make sure that we've got some kind of retainer, some kind of care plan going on into the future. Because a lot of this stuff will be second nature to people like you and I, but it won't be to clients and they probably won't want to be involved in it either, keeping their website backed up and keeping it updated and watching for uptime and all of this. So yeah, a really interesting show. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, leave some comments, look for episode number 224 on the wpbuilds.com website or alternatively go to our Facebook group wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook and let us know what you thought in there. The WP Builds podcast was brought to you today by Cloudways. Cloudways is a managed cloud hosting platform that ensures simplicity, performance and security. It offers cloud servers from five different cloud providers that you can manage through its intuitive platform. Some of the features include 24-7 support, free migrations and a dedicated firewall. You can check it all out at cloudways.com. And by AB Split Test. Do you want to set up your AB Split Test in record time? The new AB Split Test plugin for WordPress will have you up and running in a couple of minutes. Use your existing pages and test anything against anything else. Buttons, images, headers, rows, anything. And the best part is it works with Elementor Beaver Builder and the WordPress block editor. You can check it all out and get a free demo at absplittest.com. Okay, that's really it for this week. We will be back next week. But because we do an alternating schedule of interview and then a discussion with David Wormsley and I, next week... It will be an interview. It will be episode 225 and it will be an interview. And we'll also be joined on Monday for our This Week in WordPress show, which is live every Monday, 2 p.m. UK time at wpbuilds.com forward slash live. I'll be joined this week by some notable WordPress guests, along with my co-host, Paul Lacey. So join us for that. And I hope you have a good week. Stay safe. I'm going to fade in some cheesy music and say bye bye for now. <laughs> <laughs>